0: Welcome back to the Wall Air Podcast. I'm James Marshall. Roll the intro. Oh, what a lad and what a jingle. And speaking of lads, today I have one of the most requested lads out there on the show. He's been a legend of New Zealand rugby, playing for the Wellington Lions, the Hurricanes, and of course, the mighty All Blacks. He then moved over to Gloucester in England, where he dominated over there, and now he's back in super rugby, playing and carving up for the mighty force. Along with all that rugby stuff, throughout his career, he has been an absolute lad, one of the best lads in the game. It is Jeremy Thrush. Welcome, (laughs) Thrushy. Cheers, Jimmy. It was a great intro. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> Oi, firstly, how good is that Mo? I knew it was gonna be good, but not that good. That's the best I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> yeah it uh, kind of took growth last year a little bit when we were in isolation i grew a beard uh the wife was pretty sick of it to be fair and kept asking when i was going to shave there's a fair few silvers growing through it so i i came out with this and she wasn't too happy about it so it's been there ever since really so it's been um uh, it's been pretty good well it's still with me so i must be doing something right.
0: what's the plans with it any any plans
1: <laughs> not really um Just keep growing it. There's a few silvers coming into it, which is uh, a little bit disappointing. But no, it's just, I don't know, It's just quite enjoy having I get a fair few good comments from from guys saying, it's a good mo, good mo, but (laughs) the wife and most girls or women I talk to just – brush it off pretty quickly so <laughs> it's probably a
0: good thing oh you, you've ob- its obviously <laughs> built you some sort of cult following over in um perth because man i've had so many messages from people over in perth wanting to get you on wanting to know a little bit more about you because people are just loving you over there
1: <laughs> that's good is that a stitch up <laughs> no
0: nah, this is genuine <laughs> <laughs> the force field your fans oh really oh um i don't know i don't know what i've been doing i've been doing too much to be fair but <laughs> and the season for the Force hasn't gone completely to plan so far, but it's not over yet?
1: Nah, no, nah, no. Nah, we, well, we're, we're better than last year so far. We've, we've got one win under the belt. So um, <laughs> hopefully uh, we can improve on that. We've got, uh, what, three more games, Tars, Reds, Rebels. So um, hopefully we can, uh, yeah, notch up a few more wins on the way. And you just have to finish third, really, in this competition and AU, and then you get a crack at playing... A semi final and, and then on to a final whoever finishes first. So oh, true. What is it? Uh, is it semi pro where they third place? Third place. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah, that's I guess that's where we're aiming at this stage is uh, sneak Good. into third and go from there.
0: <laughs> nice. And you got big Tony Lewis on your side now, so surely things are going to start happening for you.
1: Well, that's what it sounds like. That's what uh, that's what everyone's been telling me that uh. He did good things with the uh, the, the Marcos down there, so um, hopefully he can help uh, sort ourselves out over here and, and get us going in the right direction.
0: And looking to re-sign you, of course.
1: Oh, definitely, that's a, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, hold on to the hold on to the old battler for another year, hopefully, It'll be good.
0: How is the body feeling? Because you're looking about 25 out there. You're, you're running around like a spring chicken. Are you feeling young?
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel pretty good. Um, obviously, few few niggles. I had. A, Ankle and shoulder cleanups last in the off season, but um, it's been going alright. I think the weather helps. It's it's a lot warmer and nicer, and you see the sun a lot more than you did in in Gloucester in the UK. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you get down to the water and the beach a fair bit, which which helps, which helps a lot. So it's good. Yeah, no
0: doubt. Well, anyway, we've got heaps to get through, and also you got about three hundred questions coming for you too. So we'll crack on, <laughs> and we'll go back to the start with you. So. Um, Take us back to what life was like for you growing up. I understand you were born in Auckland, which I didn't actually know, but um, tell me a little bit about what your life was like.
1: Um, Yeah, so yeah, born in Auckland, um, lived out in Papakura until I was about five, um, and then had, I guess, a bit of a different uh, upbringing from most Kiwi lads. Um, We moved to Canada for five years. True. um, so Miller uh, lived over there in uh just out of Toronto. Um, and we lived there for five years, played played a bit of soccer, um, played some ice hockey, and dad was affiliated with a club over there. So he sort of set up with another expat, um, like a kid's touch on a Saturday morning. So played a little bit of touch forty over there. Um, was uh it was pretty good. It was pretty good at um wasn't very good at the ice hockey couldn't stop. Um, it, was, it was not. It was supposed to be non-contact, but uh, I couldn't stop, so I either hurt myself falling into the side <laughs> of the boards or just falling over everyone else. So I remember pretty uh, early on playing. You know, like you, when you first start playing rugby, they're like, someone asks when you're young, they're like, oh, are you are you quit, and they're like, yeah, we we'll just well, we'll just chuck them on the wing. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> you don't have to learn too much. So I ended up goalkeeper quite quickly because I didn't really have to move too far. <laughs> so I played a fair bit of goalkeeper. I remember the master if I wanted to be the goalie for a while. So now that I look back on, I was like obviously because I was pretty crap and couldn't couldn't stop or anything, so that's where they put me. Why
0: couldn't you stop?
1: <laughs> it's just quite hard, you know. Like you kinda to have to like put your skates to one side a little bit, and, you know, like, sharp and...
0: Oh true. I don't
1: think I had the balls to actually do it. I just kind of just stumbled my way into someone else on the or the side of the boards quite quickly <laughs> to, to be able to do it really. It took me took me forever <laughs> to learn how to do it. Um so yeah, that was pretty it was pretty cool. It was good fun. And then yeah, about oh it must have been almost eleven, we moved home to New Zealand and to Wellington and yeah, that's where I grew up until till I left till um to move to Gloucester. So went through all my school or most of my schooling back home um and then yeah i went and joined the academy and stuff like that and kind of took off after that
0: so is that when you got into rugby basically when you moved back to new zealand is that where it started for you
1: yeah i used to there was touch in canada yeah i was like the youngest who played and dad used to get pissed off because i'd just go down the back and like pick the flowers (laughs) and play around out the back and piss around, and so I didn't do too much there, and didn't play too much, but came back to New Zealand and, yeah, made me play. I was too big to play for the under-12s for the Eastbourne team, so went to Huddle Boys Marist and and joined joined that club. Um, So it was pretty cool, actually, because everyone that was – I played for that year when I went to Hutt High, my school, Hutt High School, um, all those guys that had gone through that team I played for there were playing – um, at high, so and yeah, a few familiar faces when we went to high school, so it was it was pretty good. So yeah, played rugby all the way through high school, and and then it didn't really think too much of it. I wasn't really a big kid or anything, but then I guess last year school things sort of kind of took off a little bit more and got um, picked for a few teams, and then it kind of moved on from there.
0: Is that when you had your growth spurt? Because you're obviously a massive unit now. So when did you grow?
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was always quite tall, but like real skinny and lanky. You know, oh yeah. Like, had nothing of me and then yeah probably in a sixth form going into seventh form i got a little bit bigger and wouldn't say filled out it took me forever to fill out a bit more um but yeah seventh form kind of made wellington secondary schools and then someone said that i was in a chance to play for the hurricane schools and then from there like was pretty surprised got picked for um new zealand schools. so obviously was doing something right or there was no one else around at the time, um, <laughs> they could really pick from, so, <laughs> um, yeah, but, like, I never really got, like, big till probably my second, third year in the, um, Wellington Academy, I was on, like, a pretty big, um, like, eating regime all yeah. through that to put on some weight, because I, I battled to get over 100 kgs for a long time, yeah, yeah.
0: Was it always your goal yeah. to play rugby? It sounds like your dad was a pretty big influence on your rugby career too, yeah. trying to push you towards rugby. Was it always your goal to sort of make it a profession?
1: <laughs> um, nah, nah. Like, when I was, I guess like, you just, I just had good friends that we used to play half the school, play touch all the time. Um, and then I got to play with them all the way through school, which was awesome. Um, our last year at Huffington um, High School, we were in a very strong uh, rugby school to be fair and then our last year at school there was a group of us that would have gone through school all together and we made the top division of the first 15 competition and we lost in a semi-final to Wellington college by only like three three odd points I think um and that was pretty cool I still have good memories of all that but it was never really until probably seventh form when I got asked to join the academy I kind of just thought well I'd you know give this a good crack and, and mm. see what happens um yeah, I probably would have left school if it wasn't for rugby. I was just kind of sick of it, wasn't really enjoying it. Probably would have had a trade or something, done a trade, but mum didn't let me leave, so I had to stay in there. And I'm well, pretty lucky I did because had some pretty good times through school, so yes. yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. glad mum didn't let me leave school. <laughs>
0: and what a career you've ended up having. Jeez, what a great call from um. <laughs> Yeah so you must you must have been pretty impressive in yeah um once you got selected for that New Zealand schools team because then you obviously went on to make New Zealand under 19s as well and had a pretty good world Cup over there by all accounts
1: yeah yeah, yeah, I, yeah I guess things sort of just took off yeah um yeah played schools and then came back and then most of those you know how it is most of those guys that played the schools get a call into um that well, it was under 19s back then camp and mm. Um, trial pretty well through that, and, and was lucky enough to get picked and go. We went to Durban for the for the World Cup, and it was, sure. yeah, first experience kind of, or well, obviously being to South Africa, but experiencing sort of rugby in a in another rugby mad country, and it was it was pretty cool. It was a pretty unreal um, time, and we we're fortunate enough to to win it. Um, and we had we had some great great players, some really good players in that team. Um, Kieran Reid was there, and he was unreal. I don't think he missed a tackle through the, through oh, the whole competition. I think he played words. every game on every minute. And he was just, yeah, He was. we just had some really good players that just, yeah, it was awesome to be a part of.
0: You had some good players, but there yeah. was only one under-19 <laughs> player of the year, Jeremy Thrush. How was it winning that award?
1: Um, yeah, it was a bit of a surprise. I I think it was... I scored a try in the last three games, so I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it. um, Obviously, got a couple of lucky offloads. I didn't really do much for them, to be fair. It was more everyone else do it, and I just backed myself with just being really fit. Yeah, like used to run a lot and stay pretty conditioned, and yeah, just my support players, I guess, a fair big part of my game going through through the through the ranks and. Um, yeah, just got a few offloads off a few boys and and finished them off. So oh, humble, um, lucky enough to to get that, but it was a it was a hell of a trip. We got flown all the way to London for the awards. Um, <laughs> the South African like men's team were team of the year that year, and we had a hell of a shindig afterwards with them. I remember ending up and I don't know whose room it was, but they were just <laughs> bringing trays of Heinekens in like. I remember like Schultzberger, like to Bolter, Victor we were all just tackling each other like in the room. I was like, Jesus, this is this is unreal. It was, it was a hell of a time. One of the other boys, um our number eight, Nikai Elliott, was um up for the same award. So we were we had a fair, fairly big night with with all them. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Did you tackle any of them in the room? <laughs> no, I honestly was like at one stage I, I remember like standing back and thinking like Jesus, like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, what's going on? This is this is nuts. Like, one of those moments where you're like, "Holy shit!" Like, um, but then yeah, just kept getting stuck in, and I just remember like hotel staff drinking prospiring trays of Heineken beers and like trays and trays. It was, it was a good time.
0: Oh, that's classic. And did, when you won that award, did you feel some sort of um, did you feel like there's an expectation on you to sort of kick on from there? Because I mean there's some pretty massive names who have won those awards throughout the years. Once you won that, did you feel like things were going to start happening pretty quick or how did you feel once you'd won it?
1: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I've never really, I guess, thought that too much. Um, I, 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 I kind of like, just was just like, yeah, like I, I obviously had goals again. I was like, okay, well let's try to make the under 21s and pick yeah. on with Wellington a little bit. Um, got two years with them the new zealander 21s which was was pretty grateful for that and pretty lucky i think to get in that first year um and then came back and got asked to join the Lions. in the end of 2004 i got asked to join the Lions just as like an apprentice training um going and hold a tackle bag but it was yeah a hell of an experience to go do that and then i didn't have real big like thinking okay like I've got to do this, I've got to do that. I just trying kind to of cruise through, I think, with with my mindset. A little. Yeah. Just, yeah, just kept trying to one higher, one higher, I guess. Yeah. How
0: was and how was it going into that um Wellington Lions set up? Obviously you're a pretty young guy, and it seemed like a pretty intimidating team to be going into at a young age.
1: Um yeah, I was like, I yeah, that two thousand and four, two thousand and five year – pretty nervous i remember the first gym session i did i like ricky flutie took me around and did it and he was a hell of a character but like the whole time like i think it was just his personality and the way he goes about things but i was like i'm not sure if this guy's trying to take the piss out of me or not but <laughs> just the way he was going about like the gym and everything and like he was, you know like, i was just like, <laughs> like okay like <laughs> this is what we're doing here okay right, this is how it goes sort of
0: thing.
1: Um, but like once i got to know him i was like oh no, this is what he's like but yeah was, um but it was good. I back then you had the all blacks came back to play. Um so you, you had a lot of you know experience. There's a lot of um big name A Bs, like big name super rugby players. So um, you know, there's a there was a lot of people to to look at and, and watch and, and pick up on things. But it was a great group. There was a gr- a lot of guys um that kind of like took a few of us younger boys under their wing a little bit and just Helped us out, um, like, Luke, the, like the likes of Luke Andrews, like Ben Herring, Joe Matson, like all those kind of guys, were just great with the young boys, um, us coming through, and yeah, definitely owe a lot to to those boys and how they how they looked after, you know, like a, a 20, 21 year old coming through um, and into that environment. It was it was great. Yeah, and you
0: and you played eighty seven games for Wellington Line, big numbers. Um, any. Any standout games or memories that stand out to you throughout the Wellington Lions career?
1: Uh, on the field, Rampley Shield, winning the Rampley Shield up in, up in Auckland in 2008. Uh, it had been, I think, 24 years since Wellington had done it. Um, so that was that was a hell of a experience and a hell of a, a weekend and, and week, um, especially up in Auckland, beating Auckland up there. Um, to get it was pretty, pretty cool. And then a hell of a lot of good um end of your dues on a <laughs> Sunday, uh Sunday sessions. Um I was fortunate enough, like so it was like three or four years that we had made the final and we just couldn't get over the line. But I just thought that's what, what it was about. You know, what I mean you play for Wellington, you're you're there or thereabouts and you're you you are winning you're close to winning things and you're gonna go on and win things. So like those first four or five years, I you know it was just pretty unreal. Um just like being in finals or, or playing and winning Ranfurly Shields and stuff like that was, was pretty cool.
0: And you obviously had some pretty uh, good times off the field too up there. Got a lot of questions about the old Stark <laughs> Mansion. Want to talk to me about that one?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That was uh, a Um Who else is, standing? There was a few boys that had this place. I guess it was in between Island Bay and Wild uh, Bay around there. And it was up on the hill and, yeah, it, it looked like uh, – Stark Mansion from um, Iron Man. Oh, uh, yeah, it's pretty unreal. Um, we had a fair few good shindigs. I'm pretty sure we even had a party there. That um, <laughs> so was pretty good. But yeah, we had some good nights. You get up on the roof as well as like just a straight flat roof. Um, so the boys brought the drone out, and there's some. Yeah, we had some pretty good, uh, pretty good nights there in the last year before before we went moved on. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. No
0: doubt. And then let's talk to me about your Hurricanes career as well. How, how was it? When did that sort of happen? When did you make your first Hurricanes squad?
1: Uh, when you uh, were... 2007 uh, I was wide training group and I think we had a fairly big group that year because that was when they did the the World Cup. They did that like they wouldn't let each of the ABs boys oh, play yeah. at the start of the year. Yeah, So it was like a big... We had like a big squad and then a pretty big wide training group as well but and then two thousand eight was my first year, yeah, had a pretty good year in two thousand and eight, but I like I'll probably say the credit came in like I did a whole pre-season with the hurricanes into um playing club rugby in Wellington, but like training with the canes and then going into an i t m so i was I was pretty fit and, and got myself in pretty good um nap to kick on for that next year and um get a chance to play for the hurricanes and get picked so um, which, yeah, I think like that 12-month training base definitely made a difference going into that 2008 year and playing for the games.
0: And then when you got your crack, you obviously made an instant impact, a massive shift from you early on on your debut off the bench.
1: Yeah. Um, I remember my first game we played Waratahs. It, it was... Uh, when C.J. got knocked out, remember, um, he went to charge down. The, the Falcon. He got knocked out with the ball. Yeah, the Falcon. One of the great um,
0: Falcons, that one. He's never,
1: he's never recovered since, I don't reckon, from it. Um, <laughs> and we got yeah, we didn't play that well last game and then hit, hit the bench for a bit. We had some, you know, we had Jason Eden. We had um, some pretty good locks back then playing for, for the Canes and then got another chance in. Uh, Victoria to start against the Bulls, and we does it doesn't happen very often, but I think we, we put almost 50 on them that game. Oh. Um, and then yeah, just things kind of kicked on from there. I just got a chance to start um, every game from then on, and um, we lost to uh, the Crusaders in the semi final down there, unfortunately. And then they went on to win it, so yeah, but it was, I you know, even if you look back now, I remember the Waratahs game, when we were playing the Bulls game. That's about it, really. I think there was a there was a game on TV the other day. It was the Crusaders um, Hurricanes uh, semi final. I started watching it, and I was like, "Cheap, it's like like you'd think you played an all right game, and you look back and you watch it, and you think, Oh yeah, I was up to nothing.' And then somehow that's how I made a career, running around doing not too much. <laughs> <laughs> somehow, somehow I got through. Still going.
0: <laughs> Still going. <laughs> Fifteen years later. Whoa. How good. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. But how is your memory? Have you had, did you have many head knocks throughout your career? You seem to have a pretty good memory.
1: Um, yeah, not had a couple of little ones, like not fully knocked out. The worst one I had where I got knocked out when we had a test match and Joburg um against South Africa and ran into the or tried to tackle Dwayne Van Mule and Oof. got the side of his hip and yeah that was I got boom out to it and that's the only one I've really well, not good that I've actually really had that's put me out and I've blacked out so I've, yeah. I've actually been pretty lucky that way it shows that I don't really put my head into these up basically I guess just stand around and, and watch a few rucks and hold on to a few people's legs
0: No you used <laughs> your hard parts very well <laughs> You obviously played 110 games for the Hurricanes. Huge achievement. Most capped lock in history for the Hurricanes. Um, the legendary lock. Any standout moments? One that stands out for me was your try against the Cheaters, one of the greatest tries you'll ever see. Talk oh. me through that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Where, what year was that, Jeremy? I don't know, I'm going to say I'm going to
0: say was. 11 because I wasn't in the squad then. I remember getting up and watching it. Jeremy thrashing my fantasy rugby team. Mm. Come on, Jeremy, run some meters. Here
1: Must he goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember every game we ever played against the Cheaters was real high score. Both teams just didn't want to defend. <laughs> yeah, but um, all I remember is getting the ball down the sideline and had Colesley on the inside, and it was it was one of the Cheaters' By the backs or loose forwards was kind of just hanging out. And I just kept looking like I was going to pass the Colsey and got about, I must have got it, I don't know, maybe 30 odd meters out, maybe, I don't know. And then got just inside the 22 and realized, shit, I think I can do this myself. I don't have to give it, have to give it inside. Um, and put it down and was exhausted. It was like <laughs> 80 odd. I think it was the last play of the game. I was thinking like, Lay down, and the boys jumped on top of me and then, like, got up and gave it the old hot dog, and kissing the hurricane's uh, swirl and all that, and giving it everything. But um, yeah, was, I didn't get too many tries, but that one was, it was pretty good. Oh, I remember. Was so and good. we got the win from it, and we were in a pretty tough place there. Yeah. That so was good. I, the one thing I do remember is Tyson Keats walking around the change rooms after the game. Just walking around singing, "We are back, we are back <laughs> <like> from, um, <laughs> from the hangover." <laughs> you just kept.
0: Uh,
1: we had a hell of a good night, I think. After that one as well, we needed it. Yeah.
0: Oh, I yeah. bet. Any other memories that stand out throughout your career at the Hurricanes?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, we had some pretty good years, making some uh, semi-finals early on in the in, in the career. Obviously. A few tough years there, but um, 2012 was a pretty good year for us. Um, two th- oh, last year, 2015, I know we didn't we didn't win it, but that um, was a hell of a year. I felt pretty pretty proud of where we got to through through the tough times we had had mm. um, leading up to that. Um, I think from where we were and where we where we wanted to get to um, when things kind of didn't go that well, and we I guess people call it a rebuild, but we, we were trying to changed the way the Hurricanes were perceived um, to get to where we were in 2015 and then see the boys kick on in 2016 was was pretty good. And, um, I, you know, I'm pretty proud of, like, the development that came through that team and how much more professional, I guess, and how much, I guess, more respect we had from other teams um, getting to that point. And I think still where they are now, seeing them, obviously, they've had a pretty rough start at the moment, but some good players in that team and, and their quality quality group moving forward so yeah. pretty proud of where we got to and, and, and the development of players within that group um it's probably a big thing without obviously winning any silverware myself
0: yeah so talk to me yeah. about the 2015 finals. It's obviously been a massive moment in a lot of guys career who I've had on the podcast um both Highlanders and Hurricanes so talk to me about your thoughts leading into that one <laughs> and after it how did you feel
1: um uh, leading into it like I just remember um plum, John Plumtree, like when we first started, we never we never talked about really winning winning it. But he, he always used to put the picture up of the stadium full. Remember mm-hmm. he's like before every meeting and everything, he always used to put like the stadium and that was like a big thing. It was like we're gonna bring the crowds back. We're gonna bring um people into the stadium and, yeah. and like obviously byproduct of that is is winning games and and we did you know we did that and I think that was like I think it was awesome like we didn't put like a Maybe we should have put an outcome goal on it, but like, like a process of that's plum's uh, fault. You know, like, for understand. <laughs> 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 Bloody plum. Um, but no, I just thought that it was really cool. Yeah. Like, I thought like without even thinking about it, it was like, Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. And you know, we we won games and got there. And I remember getting the final and obviously I was pretty like we we're all pretty nervous, I think, but like I, I don't remember a lot of it. I just remember like NX being like and just before half time, thinking like, I now, this is, this game is all over the place. Like, it just, you just, it just felt hectic, like yeah. the whole time. Like, um, and it was, it was so quick. Like, and it was just like one, at one stage, like, we'd have the ball and we'd be like on their 22 or inside their half, um, inside their 22. Like, in the next minute, they'll be like counter attacking and being like, and we will be back on our own 20. 20- I just remember like being like, what is going on? Like, this is all over the show. Like, this is unreal. Um, and then, yeah, I just I haven't even watched it properly. Um, I don't know. I just feel like a few things didn't go away. We like we had that pivotal moment, I think, in the second half when we went for a, a mall and they didn't. They didn't, they stood off and came around and like almost took the wind of our sails. I remember that like that little bit of it. Um, and then, yeah, I just it was just one of those games. I felt it could have gone any way. Like I didn't you know, I didn't feel any time that we had a lot of dominance or they had a lot of dominance. It was just I guess they kind of capitalized on a few moments they had um at the right time and, mm. and, and got some points and um yeah they just got over the line. Yeah it was I still I still what I do remember of it is like any time I played for Wellington in a final or a semi-final with the Hurricanes, my mum and dad would come and would always we never won <laughs> so I remember that week thinking to myself like "They li- and they lived up north I remember thinking yeah like just they're not going to come like I'm just going to tell them they can't come <laughs> let's stay at home like like having this hoodoo thinking like they stay at home they watch on TV like they'll be happy if we win like this is all good yeah then, it was either the Thursday or the Friday like find out that like my sister's coming down like with her husband and mum and dad are coming down I just remember being like no like <laughs> You're not, you guys can't come. Like, and I explained it to them. Like, oh, don't be silly. Like, don't be silly. Watch it from <laughs> the remember, pub. Yeah. After the game, like, I was, like, obviously real gutted. And in my head, I was like, like, in my head, I was like, I fucking knew they shouldn't have come. Like, I knew they shouldn't have come. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, it wasn't the reason we lost the game, but was, well, who you know, knows? Just, like, was, and then, yeah. Obviously, pretty gutted, but, yeah. Um, it was, it was I, yeah, It was pretty tough, but yeah, being able to see the boys, you boys do it the year after was was unreal. Um, watched it with your brother in, in England um, in Cheltenham and Gloucester, so oh. that was a pretty powerful moment to see you guys do it. Yeah.
0: So you would already signed for Gloucester at this time. So um, what what sort of brought that move about?
1: Yeah, I signed. I went over to go on the India tour with the ABs in two thousand fourteen, and then um, my agent, when I was over there, was like, "Look, there's a club." That's keen to have a chat, um, you know. Like, you know, it's no harm in just having a sit down with them and and you know seeing what they're what they're about. And just you know, you can have a chat. And I was, like, oh, I'm coming humming and hawing about it. And I thought, yeah, why not? Um, we're over here. Might as well go check it out and have a chat to them and see what they're all about. Um, and it was obviously uh, Gloucester, and don't know. I just didn't, was talking to them and, and and really enjoyed um, what the director of rugby was. Trying to do it kind of seemed a little bit like where we kind of were in 2011, 12 with with the hurricanes. They're trying to, you know, take the team. You know, it was a very proud club. They they'd won a lot in the past, but they're sort of in a tricky situation and trying to move forward and 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 you know start winning things again and become a pretty um, successful team. So kind of enjoyed where they were they're taking things. So went home and obviously uh, my wife now uh, girlfriend at the time, uh, Luke, she was. Had a good think about it, and um, yeah, obviously had a verbal agreement with them over New Year's in 2000, end of um, 2014, and then had to call, well, I just thought it was a good thing to do, I called uh, Bordy and, and Steve to tell them what was happening, so that was a pretty nerve-wracking morning, having to ring um, those two, two guys to tell them that. Um, I Obviously, made a decision that I was going to leave after 2015, so it was pretty I get pretty anxious, um, kind of guy. I get a little bit nervous, so I was pretty, you know, you just run things through your head. Yeah. So I was just running all these scenarios of different things, trying to trying to tell them how it was going to go about. So, um, to be fair, the the, the harder one was Woody in the end. I was nervous to ring Steve. Um, but he was pretty good about it, um, obviously, and. Um and then talking to boydie yeah, that was a bit of a tough one in the end. I didn't I thought that would have been the easier one. Um because have a pretty good relationship with him and you and, and would you know, like I guess he might have thought that I might be coming to the end in, in New Zealand. Um but it's quite quite tough. I didn't maybe I don't think he saw it coming a little bit and yeah, it <laughs> some pretty sweaty palms and fits, uh <laughs> making those two phone calls to <laughs> Have
0: you always had a bit of anxiety throughout your career? And is that sort of Involve your game prep as well or is that just little things like phone calls and hangover anxiety?
1: Oh yeah, big fear. Big hangover fear. Anxiety. Um <laughs> but to do with the rugby, yeah, I, I didn't even realise to be fair, I had it. I remember the first year playing for the Canes, like sometimes I'd wake up pretty early in the morning of the game. They used to stay in hotels in New Zealand back then. Um and i sometimes I'd just wake up pretty early, like four or five in the morning and take a piss and then sit on the edge of the bed thinking, "Holy shit, Like we're at a game today. Like, Kind of, and I don't know, maybe I was just young and didn't really think too much of it and I just kind of went pretty well for the first couple of years so it didn't really cause me too much trouble and then, I don't know, I guess uh, there came a time where I just realised that it was actually affecting my performance a little bit and, you know, you play with me a fair bit, Jimmy, I realised if I can get confidence from my week and I used to take my week pretty seriously uh, <laughs> back home that um if I can get like my week sorted that would give me the confidence to go into the game and like it always like if I started to get a little bit doubt or the nerves kicked in a bit too much of it well no, you've done you've done the work during the week mate like yeah you're gonna be all right like it's gonna be okay so um I guess yeah, i put a real big focus on um making sure I got my weeks right and had done the preparation and there wasn't too many chances for me to get a lot of water or anything in my head, which has been – it's helped a bit, I guess, yeah.
0: That's good advice. And do you have any advice on how you handle your hangover anxiety? That's a big one for a lot of listeners. Is it true that you brought a puppy hungover once with
1: anxiety? (laughs) (laughs) Most expensive mistake of my life, I think, (laughs) here in Perth with us. Yeah. (laughs) We had a big night in Cheltenham, uh, Gloucester, and then the missus and she kept wanting a what do they call them? Cavapoos, Cavoodle, a poodle, King Charles Cavalier, and I was I was we're, we're battling we're both battling, but she doesn't really get the fair, but I she get the,
2: oh I still do get the
1: fair on a hangover and. We ended up going to Worcester, which is not very far away, but we got this bloody little puppy. And then four months later, I got told I'm not needed at Gloucester anymore and had to bloody ship him over to, to Perth with me. So it cost more than our bloody furniture to get here. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was a really good decision. <laughs> or I or I get real quiet and then out of nowhere just start asking heaps of questions about what happened the night before,
2: <laughs> and then yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh,
1: it's yeah. It's a,
0: you haven't nailed that one big, yet. Uh, Problem, my head.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Not drinking helps, but that's no fun, so I yeah. can't do that.
0: <laughs> oh, classic.
1: I'll tell you that one of the worst fears was the one after Tojo's bloody stag <laughs> Barcelona. I don't think I recovered until I got, it was about a month after we got to Perth. I felt better after that one. That was a hell of a hell of a weekend. I
0: don't think oh, your anxiety yeah. would have been as bad as Matt Scott's. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, we're all up there. I'll tell you
0: what, we're all up there. <laughs> and my Airbnb review, Jesus, that gave me anxiety for a few weeks. <laughs> oh,
1: if that was, if that, yeah, how oh, cheap is it? I had to
0: delete my account. Anyway. I'm glad
1: we left so early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Kieran Fontaine, Oh, Tony the
0: Drink with Kieran Fontaine, Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: geez. <laughs> well, anyway, let's go back to your rugby. And there's a massive part of your career that we've, we haven't even touched on yet: is your All Black career, something which I sort of thought would happen a little bit earlier than it did. Did you ever feel like in those selections leading up to before you were selected that you felt like you were going to be selected?
1: Um. We have, so 2008, yeah, first year. Uh, Canes and then played pretty well um, with the Lions, and there's obviously. Like, you know, the media start talking about it a little bit, and there was, you know, people were saying, Oh, you might go on the NBA tour. And kind of, I kind of fell off a little bit in the last three or four weeks of that season with the Lions. Yeah. Um, didn't play that well and kind of started to get a bit fatigued a little bit, I think. Um, first proper full professional season. And obviously thought like, Oh, maybe I might be with a chance. I might take a couple of young guys, um, but missed out on that. And then not really, I, like, I've, I was always hope, hopeful, but like, I never really strung a lot of back-to-back performances in that were worthy of being selected. Like, I'd play a good game uh, and then have a couple of, you know, all right, quiet games and then, you know, maybe a pretty crappy game and then come back and play good, like, in the years leading up. and I don't know if that was part of figuring out that I used to get, you know, a bit too nervous or worked up and and get in my own head a little bit too much. Um, And then I must have been off contract in maybe 2012 and – I remember sitting down with my agent and was just thinking, look, I I, I still feel like I can have a crack here. Like, I, I was a bit older, I was get, coming in 26, 27. Yeah. Um, and just, I was, there was obviously people were keen to have me overseas. Um, um, a couple of clubs were interested. And I just thought if I left and hadn't really given it my all, like, I was like, yeah, I'm going all right, but I'm, is there more I can give to? you know, fulfilled the dream of becoming all black. And I remember being like, no, no, I'm just gonna I think I re for another two years um and finished 2012 and, and played a pretty consistent level through and then and really set the world on fire or anything. But it just had kind of got a bit of consistency in my game that I was I, I guess I was lacking. And then to that year in the off season instead of going away, um I bought a house in Wellington and needed a bit of work on the outside. So I just stayed home and didn't really have a holiday and had a couple of builders that were living with me. So they helped help me build a deck in the back of the house um, and just trained and thought I'll well, just, you know, I can crack on in 2013 and really push for it. And I guess I was lucky. I think Ali Williams had retired from professional rugby, I think. And it had played reasonably well again, like consistency. And like you know, I think Sam Whitelock broke his thumb when they picked the June team. So he was out for a couple of weeks and remember being who'd we play. We played the Brumbies over there. And then after the game, we got told in the change rooms, I think that um, who had been named in the All Blacks. And oh, yeah. I'd obviously got in as a injury replacement for Sam uh, Whitelock. And yeah, it was just like, like it, was, it kind of all hit me to be fair. Like it'd been a fair while. Like I remember in 2008, like same as when you asked if I thought there was any pressure on me to, do anything after the the, the award when I was a 19 year old. Yeah. I remember halfway through the 2008 Super Rugby season thinking, like, I was going all right. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, they kind of pick an all black team from playing, like, <laughs> <laughs> obviously just like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, and, you know, man, I just yeah. I was just enjoying playing footy. And I think for a while there after that 2008 year, I probably maybe put too much on trying to find that form again or, or find that to be selected. And, and in 2013 I just thought I'm just going to give it a good old shot and a good crack and, and really just enjoyed it again and just had a bit more fun I was always a pretty intense guy you know that at, at training and stuff but I, I, I was just enjoying it and just I just had a fair bit of fun with it and I think obviously that is a big part of is me playing well is just making sure I try to have a bit more balance yeah. and, and enjoy just playing the game instead of being a bit anxious about everything that could go wrong or why someone else is going better or something like that and just focused on on myself and it um, seemed to pay off, which was great.
0: How was your um, lead-up yeah. to the, the debut against France?
1: Um, good. I had a, a bit of a test run the week before. Uh, I was on the bench at Eden Park and I actually feel pretty... My brother flew over from Melbourne um, <laughs> for the game. Obviously, my mum and dad were there and my sister was there. I can't hear it happens again. Didn't get on, but to be fair... <laughs> I was pretty bloody nervous the whole game it was probably and obviously the AB coaches can pick up on probably things like that and I didn't get on that game it was actually pretty close for a little bit and I remember sitting there thinking like I hope we actually like push on here and I can get on because if I have to go on when it's close and a debut and I'm sitting there like had, like the line outs written on my list so I my <laughs> wrist and I hadn't done that ever before in my life but and I was just like anxiety and, yeah, through just the roof. Yeah oh yeah uh, pretty disappointed but I was like in the end I was uh, to be fair like I probably would have like I wouldn't have it would have been fine but like I probably wasn't ready um and then got uh went down to Christchurch and obviously got picked on the bench again um and we kind of got out to a reasonably good lead there and, and got 15 I think minutes off the off the bench there and it was unreal I remember just before I went on like kind of just like was pretty nervous again but someone said something I don't know on the bench and kind of had a smile I was like, you know like there's no point like you're here now like yeah. just cracking and just ran round again like I felt like I was 21 just trying to hit everything and try to do as much as possible in, in 12 minutes Probably did nothing again, but uh, it felt like I was I was doing something, so I felt pretty good afterwards. Yeah.
0: D- did your mum and dad go down to that one?
1: <laughs> they did. They did. Um, classic stitch-up. That was the first time um, they actually met uh, Lucci, my wife, or was my girlfriend back then. I uh, asked her to come down, um, and she was like, oh, who am I sitting with? And I was like, oh, you're actually sitting with my mum and dad because that's the only t- <laughs> tickets I could get uh, next to them. She's like, oh. Like great, so I think Mum talked to her most of the time and didn't really watch much of rugby. I think she was more excited that I had a girlfriend instead of uh, playing my first test match. So Mum was it was a win win for Mum, I think. So she was pretty happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: that's good stuff. And then uh, any highlights throughout your All Black career that stand out to you?
1: Um, definitely getting to play uh, the Springboks in Wellington at the at Westpac was, was unreal. Um, got to start that game. Um, my first start down in Dunedin, uh, we obviously retained the it was the fourth game. Um, got to start that one and, and got maybe 50, 50 odd minutes, which is pretty cool. And then um, Scotland, obviously um, I didn't get a lot of starts. Um, we had some, probably two of the best locks going around with Sam and, and Brody and, and then some mm-hmm. decent backups with Luke Romano and, and some of those boys as well that you obviously, you know, like we're all fighting for, for some time, um, whenever I was in the squad. Uh but playing Scotland over there uh was was pretty unreal. Um just the way they do things in the UK with test matches was pretty cool. They turned all the lights off before the game and yeah, the bagpipes playing and, and um yeah, like and they'd obviously sing the anthems and their songs going through it, it was was pretty awesome. But just the whole experience, like, the whole time I was there, like, after that first sort of uh, June series and the first one came back and obviously was pretty nervous and, and, you know, it had been a long time to get into that team and you're kind of walking around and don't want to make a mistake and you end up – you probably end up not really enjoying it as much as you want to because you're so worried about stuffing up or whatever. I came back and just remember thinking if I get another chance, I'm just – I'm just gonna go in and, and obviously be a bit more myself and and enjoy myself and not worry about fucking things up all the time and, mm-hmm. and, and just just get on with it. And and that was it to be fair. There was just so many cool experiences that you get when you with, with that squad from the things that they do as a team together to to what you can experience when you travel, um, you know, the doors that it opens and, and people and, and things you meet. Um, it's just pretty
2: pretty cool. Mm.
0: And was the yeah. goal always to make the 2015 World Cup squad? Was that the way you wanted to finish your career in New Zealand?
1: Yeah, I guess it kind of ended up being like that. Um, play, I'd say like we played Scotland over there. Um, I played pretty well that game, um, and then we played one more game um, after that, uh, Ireland, I think. I think, and didn't get picked for that one. But yeah. and then it was like, well, I played pretty well here. Like I, you know, I've done pretty well when I've had my opportunities, uh, especially in 2014. So I was like, go into 15 and, you know, crack on and hopefully with, with a bit of luck, I can, I can make that team. Like I never felt like I, my place was ever, either, ever like sealed or anything like yeah. that. But I was like, if I, if I worked hard and, and play well again and, and do that, then hopefully I can have a chance of, um, um, yeah, going away on the world cup. Um, I probably, I reckon I probably put a little bit too much pressure on myself in that 2015 year with um, worrying about things again a little bit. I remember getting a call halfway through the season um, from Gilbert Anoka, who's the mental skills guy and, and does a lot of work with all the boys around everything um, in the squad. And Chrono, um, the forwards coach, and I just could kind of see that I looked like I was too much in my head a little bit, um, didn't play as well probably as I wanted to, um, and then, yeah, obviously, still got picked in the championship team, but only got, I think, 10, 15 minutes against Argentina before they named the World Cup team after mm-hmm. that, and they only took three locks in the end, which was a little bit disappointing, but then, who knows, they obviously said that, you know, I was I was in there, but with a chance if, if someone fell over, but, you know, Brodie just been playing unreal that year um for us at the canes and and got a chance to get his debut in africa with the abs and he was you know playing out of his skin and i think patrick might have had an operation so that knocked him out but like you know there was other 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 locks there that were were still playing really well so like i I don't see like it was like i'm i don't i'm not gutted or like upset that i didn't get picked i can understand what they did and how they went about it and yeah, it, you know, And as I said, like you can never take the a for granted. And I was grateful for the mm-hmm. opportunities that I did get within the team in thirteen, fourteen, 14, and that final test and being involved in the squad before the World Cup in 2015. So that yeah, was awesome.
0: And was that a big part of why you moved to Gloucester in the end, just because you felt like you'd sort of reached as high as you could? You didn't see any more tests sort of coming
1: on the yeah, horizon? I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think obviously I, I was 30 Um Obviously they had, you know, like Sam and Brody, who are who younger than me that was still um, going really well. Um, there was guys coming through and I just thought, well, you know, like it's a good opportunity. I, there was some rule with being able to play overseas or sign a contract after 12 months after your last test start or something. I think some rule. So the timing kind of worked out quite well Yeah, with that. So I was like, well, if I get to sign another year or two and don't, Play for the ABS again; it might make it harder to get that opportunity to, to head overseas and, and and experience something different. So it kind of all just I felt at the time fell into place a little bit for a good way to good way to finish um, with the Hurricanes and um, maybe with the ABS. Yeah. Mm.
0: And then talk talk to me about your time over in Gloucester. How, how did you find it? You were four years over there. You love
1: it. I did. I did. I found it very, very tough. In the first six months, um, I don't know if it was because I I went super rugby, I, a little bit ABS, ITM straight into a <laughs> what is it? Feels like eighteen <laughs> months uh, competition, but what is it? 11, 10 months of uh, rugby in, in the in the UK. So by the end of that season, I was I was pretty cooked. Um, we didn't go very well. Oh, we went terrible, but not how as well as we wanted to. And and I. I didn't feel like I had adapted as well as I possibly could have to the way that they play. I I was probably reasonably naive in in how much different the game can be from a tactical point of view and and what they really put um, a focus on compared to New Zealand and especially the Hurricanes. Because even if our set piece was going to where we had backs and those forwards that could do unreal things, and we could still be up by thirty points and be at 25% 25% position in territory yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of times I was like obviously got a little bit um frustrated with with the way we like the boys saw the game and the way we played it um but got over that and and kind of adapted and, and realized it's just the way it is and and the, and the way they play and and actually um after that first six months like I loved it like we still didn't go very well but um I loved love being over over the UK love playing at Gloucester at King's home um, I just love the the atmosphere of games like the intensity is up there it's a different type of intensity to super rugby from probably a speed point of view but from a, like a contact and mm. and how close a lot of games are like um that kind of intensity and, and what the crowd brings to the games I think is is unreal and was awesome um, and learned a hell of a lot of Firstly, about, I guess, myself um, and obviously being within the Wellington and the Hurricanes environment for 10 years and plus with Wellington a bit longer, um, going somewhere completely different um, and being that different person over there um, was was unreal. And then just from a rugby point of view, just how important, I guess, different things are to different people from from where you are in the world mm. and, and how to win games is, was pretty cool. It's probably... the the most I took out of it.
0: What was the biggest shift for a lock um, going from super rugby to the English premiership?
1: Um, I guess for me, I was more like a, I'm more of like a support can distribute sort of a lock. I I guess I'm not a big bulldozer tractor as they have over in the UK. So, um, you know, like I always thought you obviously play your strength. So I had to learn to, you know, there wasn't as much opportunities for, the support players sort of part of the game. It was more really now your set piece, your scrum, your line out, um fair few hard carries. Um, You know, like I always thought I wasn't really doing too much in a lot of games because I wasn't getting my hands on the ball from a phase pay point of view. And yeah, I was thinking, it was just like, they've obviously signed me here to, to, to do things, but I'm not doing what I naturally <laughs> like to do in a game. Like it was a bit different. So I guess that was a big part of it. And then, You'd, we'd get the ball kicked back to us like off a box kick or whatever and I'd be looking at a fullback thinking here we go like we used to have you know you'd have Andre Taylor near him on a scutter or CJ or someone like that at the back Jimmy you. And you'd step two guys, and we'd be back on the fifty, and they'd either kick it back, and you'd think, "Oh shit, here we go!" And Bloody Tom Marshall when he was playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he only played about <laughs> once in four um, years. Uh, <laughs> but hell, after a good game, he played. I tell you Yeah, so from that point of view, like. Uh, fullbacks probably normally got tackled on their own twenty-two with the ball in hand sort of thing, so it was a lot of backtracking to set up for another box kick to get rid of it. So
2: yeah,
1: yeah, it was from that point of view, it was just a, a whole different mind mindset that I had to get around. And once I kind of figured it out, and knew that I'm still contributing to the team, probably not the way I wanted to with the way I naturally play the game, but if I can get our set piece going all right and Pick up a few carries and and chase balls and, and make some tackles. Then, you know, like it, you're actually doing an all right job for mm. for your team, sort of thing. So, yeah.
0: You obviously had some good times off the field too over there. Lots of lots of good stories over there. I got told one from my brother around. <laughs> I think it was the end of season do where you um, went and bought one of the biggest burgers you could ever buy and. He actually threw it on top of <laughs> – slammed it on Mark Atkinson's head and he was filthy. He reckons it was the funniest oh, yeah. thing he's ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Talk me through that one. Oh,
1: yeah. So it was funny because, like, you look back on when we were there and we never we never did – or uh, w- when I was there, we never did that well in the English Premiership, but there was the two European competitions. and two out of three years we were there, we made the final, see lost both of them, but mum and dad never came to those ones, so that throws that bloody idea out the window. So it couldn't have been mum and dad's fault we lost the 2015 final. <laughs> um, but we are both of them. It was a hell of a shindig afterwards. So it was the first year, Uh Inver, and then we went all night after that game and then had a private flight home. It was like me, Tojo, your brother, James Hook, Aki and stuff, Obviously, bought duty free and snuck it onto the back of the plane, and was asking for lemonades and having vodkas and stuff. And hooky, absolute lad! You need to get him on. You won't understand a word he's saying, but you need to get him on the podcast. Um, and we were singing songs and everything, and we just kept kicking on, and ended up at one of the boys' um, restaurants out in, in Gloucester Keys. And I was so so drunk by then. I thought that we were the only ones in the place, I didn't realise there was families and stuff on the <laughs> other side having lunch and ended up being dinner and stuff and yeah, they brought out all these burgers and I remember just, I don't really remember it too much I just remember pick up the tray and we are by the bar by the end of it I like, and I was just like so wacky, I was like this would be great, there's no better person to be able to throw this burger at and just went and like piffed it from the tray Yeah, he must have ducked or something and boys are just almost hit like a family having a, like a dinner at a table by the bar and they were just oh, like oh like was just in a whole, whole nother world it was yeah probably one of the drunkest I've ever been so it was, and that's um, saying something it was pretty good but yeah I'll tell you what the fear the next three days after that that's when you brought the puppy
0: days, days.
1: oh no nah, that was uh that was a couple of years that was mid-season as well so we've definitely had a fair few uh Good blowouts uh, along, the, along the way, which you, is great.
0: You had to over there, eh, because the season was so long. You couldn't just wait till the end oh, of season two. You, so you had to break it up a wee bit.
1: Definitely. But that was great. Like, I guess one of the big things of being overseas, um, like I, I grew up in Wellington, so I was always there and had friends outside of rugby. So, you know, obviously enjoyed doing the things with the Canes boys, but had that. Um, you know, great group of friends that i from school, um, lads that you could just get away and kind mm-hmm. of be a bit normal with. Um, but over there, like, uh, you know, the rugby teams are your friends and family, and um, you know, got really close, or well, still are very close with, with, with your brother and uh, Beth and stuff, and uh, Matt Scott, Scottish boy, um, and his wife Ruth. So we had like a really good little crew that was most weekends ended up at our house after games, celebrate another. Um, another weekend through the through <laughs> footy. And, um, yeah, yeah, a fair few house parties and nights out and shouting them, so it was pretty good. Oh. We had a hell of a lot of fun, yeah.
0: Good times. So then what, <laughs> what brought upon the move to Western Force?
1: Um, so Johan Ackerman took over the Gloucester team um, in my final year, and he obviously brought in a fair few, sapphi boys which is which fair enough he gave gave me um early enough warning that that was going to be the plan and what he was about to do and um i really enjoyed working with him i thought he was he was a great uh great coach and um it was really about getting the team cohesion really really good and strong off the field and 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 kind of i thought he did it reasonably well like a lot of players or coaches can come over from the southern hemisphere and try to just dump everything that you do and super rugby into the Northern Hemisphere game and yeah. it doesn't really work that well but he, he picked little things there, here and there that they did really well, the Lions um, that we tried to bring in and it kind of showed that it worked the year after I left because they, they made the semi-final so um, I thought that was pretty cool but yeah obviously he told me that they're going to sign a couple of Africans so I was kind of on a hunt for a new contract um, somewhere and had a little bit of stuff in France but yeah the force was and I kind of kept knocking on the door and kept asking my agent if I was keen and if I was um, wanting to, wanted to come across. And I guess one of the big things after being in the UK was we kind of wanted a bit more of a of a lifestyle, um, you know, a bit better weather or experience something a little bit different. Um, so that was a big thing. One of the boxes that we wanted ticked, um, kind of wanted somewhere that was, that was really keen to have me. I guess the French teams were sort of like, yeah, like, want you to come so from the lifestyle point of view the France teams ticked that box but from really wanting to be able to make a difference and, and help out somewhere it, it didn't feel that that great so I decided why not like good good weather in Perth um, was pretty excited about what they're tr- trying to do I was obviously what am I now almost 35, 35 uh, Yeah. so yeah it was two years ago so I was 30, going on 33 so obviously the you know the style of rugby and, and what they kind of do probably suited my my body a bit more than staying up in the northern hemisphere. So yeah, you know, thought we just thought why not? And it's to be fair, it's been great. Um, we we've, we've loved every minute of being in Perth. It's been it's been an awesome place to to live over the last three three years, two three years. So yeah. And you've
0: like we said at the Come start, you've, you've made an instant impression over there. One thing I want to talk to you about or ask you about <laughs> is over there the song Adele. Talk to talk to me about the Adele team song that you sing so well.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I was getting messages from all over the place about, I was like, what's going on here? And then it must have been a really slow day in New Zealand for news or something because someone said it made the top five stories on stuff or so, and I was like, jeep, it's like I never got that far up when I was back home. It didn't matter what I'd done, so. Obviously it was a slow day in, in New Zealand news. But, People love it. You. You know, uh, yeah. It's a mustache. It's a lot. Um <laughs> uh, Marcel, our song. Like you know, every team has a has a song, sort of guy that leads a song after a game. And we've got a bit that's about the Western force at the start, and then he was like, We're gonna change it up this year and we're gonna play a bit of a a banger or a song that everyone knows and can sing along to afterwards and it'll just be a little bit of the start of it and then obviously the chorus and like we'll finish it there so could have been 10 odd games since the voice and force had got a win um, over in Sydney and we were all pretty pumped and no one realised the camera was still on the change room, and it honestly, honestly only caught the Adele bit, so it's got all the boys getting pretty deep into that, so I was going pretty hard and flashing the camera, so obviously, yeah, got a little bit of media attention from there, but oh. it was um, it was pretty cool, it was pretty funny, because no one was really sure how it was going to go, like, someone like you, everyone knows it, but like, a bit of a weird song to sing after the game, but... Yeah. The boys got stuck in, and it was it was pretty cool. Actually, pretty funny.
0: But you've got such a nice voice too. You you <laughs> so can hear you can hear that? your voice in the in the recording. <laughs> Any chance of giving us a wee a little teaser?
1: <laughs> of oh, the Adele song, you're the Adele. How's it going?
0: Um, oh come on! I know
1: you know it. <laughs> how's it going? Again? Yeah no no no, I have, uh, brain freeze here. <laughs> Never mind. I'll find. Someone like you, I wish nothing but the best for you. Don't forget me, I remember you say, sometimes it laughs in love, sometimes it Something, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh wow,
0: geez. <laughs> for a moment there, I thought that was a Dow, that was so good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, if that doesn't make stuff, oh. I'll be disappointed. That was quality. <laughs> what a voice! Oh, mate, you've been what have you been top five podcast or something
0: in New Zealand? I've definitely dropped you down with this one. So. I might be top Sorry, song. <laughs> <laughs> That was so good. What a voice. <laughs> Have you always been a gifted singer?
1: <laughs> Definitely as a hidden colour.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that. Anyway, yeah. what are the plans next? Is singing singing part of it? What what's the plans for Big Thrushy?
1: The singing is uh, hopefully well, I still keen to kick on. Um at the moment, my contract was only with um, the force till the end of June or until the end of Trans-Tasman. Hopefully, we can we can play some of those games. It would be good to to, to get home and, and play some New Zealand teams and get some across. Um, but, yeah, I actually forgot how old I was the other day. I was driving home, me and Cux, which we were having a laugh about it the other day because he's the same age. And I was in the car and I was like, 34, gone on 35, and then realised, no. I'm 35 going on 36 and I was like, geez, I must be getting older if I can't remember how old I am, but um would love to love to keep playing. I reckon I could go another 12 months. Um, hopefully, yeah, yeah. So I'd like to go do something at the end of this. If Hopefully the force will sign me for next year or pick something up. Um, and I spoke to you, Jimmy. I'll, I'll be keen to get back and play some ITM Cup. If I could, I think that would be pretty cool just to have one last little stint in New Zealand if someone was crazy enough to, to sign me for, oh. for whatever it is, three months. The um, Tasman Marco. Oh, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be a great fit.
0: You'd be a great fit. I've
1: listened to some of the tazzy boys that you've had on here. I'm not sure I'll be able to keep up with them. If you <laughs> they sound like good lads. <laughs> it might be the end of me if I came to the Marco. Well, the the, the anxiety, you have ten, 10 puppies. <laughs> the amount of dog food i will be talking out <laughs> towards the unreal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd love to I'd love to do that if it came about. Um play another year of super or something, um, and then just see how I go. But I guess since leaving and uh, being at Gloucester and being here, I've really enjoyed like the um the mentor side of things with some of the young guys we've had here who haven't ever been involved in a professional setup, um, and just enjoying, um, you know, that sort of thing. So Mm. I'd love to get into some sort of coaching with a, with a start with Fords. Um, Yeah. If it was an Academy or, or something like that along those lines or or get over somewhere that's starting up a program somewhere and, and and jump on that would be, would be a lot of fun. And I'd really enjoy that because I, I enjoy that now while I'm still playing, trying to help out some of the some of the younger guys. So I guess once I kind of left New Zealand, I had more time and didn't have to be. Oh, I just felt like I was pretty intense and focused really hard on what I had to do to, to be the best I could, and probably didn't give enough back to some some boys back home, which I probably regret a little bit. And since I've left and and been over here as well, I feel like I've, I've really tried to give a bit more back to them and, and experiences that i've learned along the way and, and try to help out that way so definitely be keen to keen to get into stand in and rugby and help out and, and some involvement with with coaching at some level
0: mate you That's would be s- yeah. you would be such a good mentor coach whatever you, whatever you decide to choose you will be one <laughs> of the greats but anyway let's crack on because we have so many questions and as always we've gone to our instagram for some questions and Thrushy, the cult hero over in the force, has come up with thousands. We won't be able to we won't be able to ask them all, but
1: how know. many abusive ones are there? There must be a fair <laughs> few abusive ones from back home. There's a couple.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um first one. Oh this one. This one's from Patrick Gower. Obviously a massive fan of yours. Love your work great. Oh, how do you motivate yourself to consistently be in the zone?
1: I don't know. I've probably only been there once or twice <laughs> in my life. So. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. I, as I, I think I touched on I a bit serious here, but um, just, I just, I focus really hard on getting the, the, the week right for me personally. If I can mm-hmm. get that right, I, I take away that nervousness and anxiety on game day that used to, Take a fair bit out of me, um, energy-wise and and performance-wise. So, yeah, that and then lately, especially last maybe three or four years, I I used to think like, oh, what's going to happen sixty-five minutes in? And now I'm like, I might not even be on the field in sixty-five <laughs> minutes. So, <laughs> might as well just enjoy the first five and see how we go from there. <laughs> Taking away that kind of like, what a thought of things in the future, yeah. definitely helped Overthinking, yeah, get me there. True. yeah. yeah. Overthinking is a big problem
0: Okay. Who was the best line-out operator you came up against?
1: Um, Victor Matfield, definitely up there Mm. with the Bulls. Uh, They had an unreal cooperation, more and everything. Um, Kieran Reid, Sam Whitelock are are bloody, bloody pretty smart people when it comes to that. In the UK, most line-outs are pretty well worked. Exeter always had a pretty good one. Uh, Saracen, so I guess that's George Cruz, Hitoji, boys like that. Probably pretty up there with that sort of thing as well. Oh, so, off some, the top of my head. Some great line-out yeah.
0: yeah, for sure. Okay. Ask him how much he got paid when he made the Burger Ring mini ad.
1: <laughs> Who gave you that one? Sweet. Um, Sweet. <laughs> Small mouth swings, small mouth, big chin. Um, I, I, I had to google it, I didn't yeah, know what was he was just, talking I not about. I oh, did,
0: I saw it yesterday, yeah. but you know, I...
1: back in the day, there was a small mouth burgering ad where the burgers in, yeah. So, there was a few boys that used to give me a fair bit of shit back then about that. Um, but oh, I get a fair bit of shit anyway, it still goes.
0: So, <laughs> your most sort of
1: covers Nothing your mouth swings. now. I got, yeah, I know, oh, yeah. The big Mo helps us probably percentuate <laughs> the small mouth even more, but helps with the big chin, maybe, who knows.
0: <laughs> okay. Did you ever get this speaking of being teased, did you ever get teased at school because of your surname?
1: Um, yes. Not more just like comments, so from girls. So it really didn't oh, yeah. help. With my well, I wouldn't say love life, but being able to talk to girls, um, <laughs> they would always be like, "Oh, who are you?" Like Jeremy, I oh, was Jeremy. Like I don't know why I'd always say my last name, but for some <laughs> reason, sometimes I like, Or oh, no, it's because my mates obviously called me thrush, Thrushy, and they'll be like, "What?" Like would goes like, "What?" And I'll be like, "Oh yeah, my last name's Thrush," and I'll be like, "Oh, and I'd be like, Ew. But um, oh, I had, a, I had an older sister, and I never really thought about it too much until. Then and then, like you're like, wow, shit! She must have had it pretty bad. If, <laughs> if I was getting a little bit of it, so I feel pretty sorry for my sister. But obviously, she's she's married into a new name now, so it doesn't have any of that trouble. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I feel sorry for my daughter, um, <laughs> poor little girl. So it's, her name's uh, Mia Bella, which in Italian is my beautiful, and then her last name's Thrush. So that's uh, that's not the best thing, poor little girl, but. Hopefully she's got her mum's mum's looks, so and uh, not too much of her dad, except for her last name. But <laughs> she'll be, be alright. It's funny; I never thought yeah. about it until a little while ago. True. My dad always used to talk. I never picked up on it, but dad always used to, when he answered the phone or talked to people, and had to give his his full name, he'd be like Ian Thrush, and he'd be always be like, "Like the bird, like the bird." And like, I never like <laughs> when I was younger. I was like, "Why does he always say that?" And then obviously, if I got older and found out. They so had a different meaning. I was like, "Fair enough, yeah." It makes a lot of sense.
0: Speaking about Lucci, you've been nominated in the New Zealand Rugby list as the biggest puncher in world rugby.
1: Batting out, batting outside the crease, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, how, how did
0: you? How did you guys meet? How did you fall uh, in love?
1: Um. Well, we actually had known each other for a little while, or we like knew. Um, and had had friends that were sort of uh, friends and crossed over a little bit, um, but she was obviously she she lived out in Eastbourne at a young age as well. But obviously we didn't really know each other that well then. Um, and then one year, what was it, two thousand and thirteen? Uh, we're out one night and uh, got to, got together and had some drinks and stuff with yeah. a few other friends, and and, um, and Red Square obviously ended up. Um, cooking up and the rest is history so Jeez. yeah I count, count myself pretty lucky there to be fair <laughs> obviously she must have been pretty drunk but she doesn't know if I just keep putting vodka in her water as it is now so she just stays that way and keeps finding me attractive so it's worked out so far pretty well <laughs> don't get us sober up. lucky there Jimmy <laughs> oh that's
0: classic okay <laughs> What is the key to a good handlebar moustache?
1: Oh, probably a lot of surface area. So big jaw, um, where I've really had trouble is still, still in there a little bit, still a little bit too blonde, um, falls out, but I did have a, I did shave it into a goatee this year. Actually, I let it grow out. A little oh, yeah. bit, um, and it, looked, it looked quite, quite, quite good, but, uh, I quite enjoy the, the handlebars. It's, um, same a bit different, yeah. um, but um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I've I've always been able to grow a reasonably good beard. So, yeah, a little bit a little bit of uh, facial area to grow it, and a, a dark. I think you need dark hair for a, a good hand a good handlebar. Yeah, you, Whatever like you've done, hand, you could probably get one going there, Jimmy. No, nah,
0: mine's way too patchy and gets too itchy once I get past stubble. Uh, yours is yours yeah. is impressive. Holy heck. So I love it. <laughs>
1: Thinking for yep. the end of idiot, gave in a ball patch and, and growing the mullet out and dyeing it blonde, all of it blonde, and going as the muscle man, Hulk Hogan. See how that goes down. I thought that'd be that'd be pretty good.
0: Oh, well, that would go down a treat.
1: It'd be but... good till I woke up the next day with a hell of a lot of fear. I reckon, but it'd be all right, Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh i love it okay well this is one thing i didn't actually know about you but you're obviously an r&v legend because there's been a lot of questions about your r&v times <laughs> how many times did you go and what was your craziest story from r&v um five
1: five times i think i ended up going oh. always good times last time i Reno, really it would have been a little bit older, I think. I felt a little bit too old by the time I left, but just dragged myself into feeling younger again, so it was pretty good. Now, a fair few, few crazy stories that probably might have to wait till I finish playing, I think. I might get myself in a bit of trouble, so I can't elaborate too much there at this stage, unfortunately. Oh, Sorry. I can't wait for <laughs> the sequel. A few good times on the hill, on the main main stand. Oh, I bet. got myself in a bit of bit of strife so <laughs> yeah you know.
0: okay we'll leave that one there <laughs> have you ever been to hong kong any good yarns
1: yep yeah, with a friend to uh, visit another friend um had a fair few good nights out there um very interesting nightlife um uh, a bit different to the courtney place where i can see i can say um the guy we went and visited a friend and short story was he told us like five things not to do and we woke up in the morning and had done the opposite of all five of those things. So, You'd tick them off, yeah. There's a fair bit of fear. There's a fair bit of fear going that day as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. just something happens when you start drinking. It's just not not the right, not the right thing to do. I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, so much fear. Okay. This one's from good mate of yours, Tom Savage. Did you ever get your deposit back from Lansdowne Lodge and is the grass still green?
1: (laughs) Um, I did. We did get our bond back, our deposit back. We had a big driveway um, when we lived in Gloucester in Cheltenham. Um, And, stupidly enough, told the boys to all come back on the Sunday uh, break up because we were at this pub in Cheltenham and it was getting fairly rowdy and I still had a little bit of common sense left in me to think ah, if we stay here we could be in a little bit of trouble so said we could all come back to our place and just drink on the driveway um probably not the best best idea <laughs> in the end um Willie Hines's barbecue got set on fire pretty big like a Weber coal one it just started getting burnt um Two couches ended up over the fence at a doctor's practice and I woke Jeez. up like, I don't know how I woke up, but I woke up stark like upright at like six in the morning and was like to Luke, she like, shit. And she's like, what? And I was like, the couches are next door we got to go get them and like ran down the driveway and had to lug these couches back down the driveway. Uh, so yeah, uh, that was, it was a pretty good, pretty good night, uh, afternoon, but yeah, we still had like fire stains on the driveway from the boys. Oh. Getting up to no good, Joe Ladder, another Kerry lad, Some of the boys will probably know. Put the lawnmower on in the garage and started lawnmowering glass bottles. So we had to pick oh. up a bit of glass. Oh,
2: um, I think that's
1: when Lucy called it. Actually, she came out and saw the fire and the lawnmower going with glass bottles being shredded everywhere and was came up to me and was like, I think you guys need to go. And I was like, yeah, I think we need to go. So I think after that we we ended up heading off and going into town, which is probably not a good idea either, but it was all right. That is loose. That is very, Um, very loose. Grass is green. Oh, the grass is green. So (laughs) one must have been the second year we – we lost we were up by like 20 odd points and we ended up losing in the last minute so I was like in my head I'm like I don't think we're mentally that strong as a as a team so I thought I'd incite the boys on a bit of things I'd learnt from times at the Hurricanes <laughs> and, and the ABs about mental mental toughness and I was like one of the you know one thing I always tell myself like tell the boys and they were like, who is this fucking idiot like standing up here so like, you just state a fact to get yourself out of that bad time so I was like like the grass is green, like the grass is green, and it takes your mind out of that negative spiral thought. And the boys just like every training, like I'd lose my shit or something, and they'd be like, The grass is green, She's like, Gee, the grass is green. I'd just be like, Oh, fuck's that. you idiot, Why did, why'd you stand up and talk? Oh, I love those things. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the English is so much, I found that the English have. Such good banter compared to, to what we had yeah. the canes. Like yeah. You just no one is safe or nothing is off limits. It
0: Constant, was, eh?
1: It was, it was pretty funny, it was a pretty good time, yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't stop.
0: Okay, it was good. This one, how much do you love Usain Bolt?
1: <laughs> um, what was it? 300 pounds. That's how much I love them. <laughs> 300 pounds worth. Uh, What's that story about? We had a drinking story. <laughs> so, so, last year at Gloucester, all the injured boys I think the team went to Exeter to play, and we had like it was like I don't know, 125 years or something. And it was, um, like it was like a, a dinner where auction dinner, but raising money, and all the injured boys went and obviously shock. Tojo your brother was injured again and so was I. So <laughs> we went and it was like black tie event and we had this table and we we're a few deep with the other boys. And I was like, all right, we everyone has to like bid on something. So like you have to bid on it. And like I was like, trick is to get in early. And it was this, I don't even know if it was his, but it was a signed picture of Usain Bolt. And like, I wasn't really listening. I think someone had bidded like something. And then I was like, i got to get in. And I put my hand up and they're like 300 to Jeremy. And I was like, Holy shit, like that's a fair bit of money. <laughs> and, and no one else did it. And they were like, going, gone like, three hundred pounds the journey. I was like, oh, I Had to like write my name down and like my number, so they had to call me to pay for it. Went away with a picture of signed picture of Usain Bolt that probably wasn't worth anything. Um <laughs> One of the boys, Ollie Thorley's got it. I gave it to him in, in, in Gloucester, I think. He's got it now. It was a, a leaving gift for him. Just brought back me, bad Viacolo. memories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, It just sat in the garage for like six months just like, <laughs> like thinking.
0: Yeah. Leslie Vianicolo no. turned
1: up to that um, dinner, and he's a Gloucester legend. And oh, I was like, the the volcano. It's like, obviously, you're playing for like the Kiwis and league and like, me and Tojo ended up going out with him. And, like, he's still – he hasn't been in Cheltenham for years. And, like, all the pubs and clubs, like, we we'll just give him a bottle of vodka over the bar and be like, there you go, mate. Like, sure. feel free. Uh, Tojo took me home. I still – have no idea what happened in town with the volcano. And still, one of the best best nights of my life, weekend with Lizzie, the Vitacola.
2: Oh, what a legend. What
1: a lad. My tux was in a mess. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Oh,
0: geez. Some good yarns. Okay. Hot, high or stream. This one's from Blair yeah. Cowan. Good water lad,
1: man. Hartley High School. Of course. That was like a claim to fame, uh, high beat Silverstream two years or two times that year, Indeed. which has hasn't happened, it never happened in years. So oh. um, I'm pretty sure Raro cried on the field after the game at, at Silverstream as well. Doesn't surprise me at all. I'm just making that up. Don't, don't edit that out. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Keep it in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Last question. What was the best piece of advice that Jeremy Thrush received throughout his career? Don't say the grass is green. The grass is green.
2: <laughs> the grass is
1: green. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't know. if There's there's heaps, you know what I mean? You get little things every now and again or every year that, that help. But I think looking back now, like if I was going to tell a young Jeremy Thrush what to, to be better at, it would probably be, like, especially in New Zealand, like, don't. Be so highly strung <laughs> um, within everything like just balance like you know, I look back now and there's so many cool times and awesome things that like within the Canes or Wellington or whatever but like I probably didn't embrace them or enjoy them as, as well as I could have because obviously I had goals and was so worried about trying to make make teams or or, or achieve those goals that I probably didn't really enjoy myself as much as I probably could have from mm. enjoying those moments within team environments as much. Um, I feel like I'm at a better place of that now. Um, since I left New Zealand, I don't know if it was just because I put a lot of expectation on myself um, like within the Hurricanes and, and the Lions to to obviously try to win something with those teams um, or not, but yeah. That's probably the thing. I If I could go back in time and, and tell the young Jerry to just probably enjoy yourself a bit more. Yeah. How, how would you do that? I don't know. I, I, you you know what it's like. I, like, New Zealand's such like a, a fishbowl kind of place when it comes to rugby. Like, mm. you play badly and you go out the next day for lunch or something and obviously everyone knows obviously kind of who you are and you, you guys didn't play that well and you're, you're looking at them and well, I used to think like, shit, sticking that they were shit yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. stuff like that and like, or like, I just kind of, not I didn't even really worry I didn't really have social media that much like so that didn't really bother me um it was more like yeah just what what I came into with the lions and the hurricanes and where we where we've got to and where I wanted us to get to that you know I just I was I put a lot of pressure I guess on myself and and wanting things to to be good and and better than when I first came into the team and and I don't know maybe I I got away from enjoying it as much as I I probably could have mm. um from that point of view um, and you know yeah yeah, I don't know like it's just once I left and got to Gloucester I, I almost didn't have those expectations as much on I could just play club rugby for for the team yeah. that you're playing for like there's there's no other no other things there like um no other high honours or, or that you know that other goal it was just go out there and play as well as you could for, for Gloucester and, and enjoy it and and move on to the next week sort of thing mm. I probably should have if I could have had that um, had that more as a as a hurricane and as a as a line because as I said it probably helped me play better when I just tried to not worry about mm. trying to be an all black again or, or be an all black or anything like that so
0: yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. You are going to be yeah, such a good mentor. Sense. Oh, can't wait to see you in the <laughs> mentor game. That's such good advice for a young lot coming through. Good. Just, just relax. Don't, don't overthink Poor it. Poor
2: kids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that yeah. wraps up the podcast. Obviously, I love playing with you in my time with the Hurricanes, mate. You're an absolute champion bloke. Had some awesome times over in the UK with you as well. Obviously, you were very close with my brother, so we we ended up having a few good do's together and mate you're such a good lad Um, (laughs) looking forward to you joining up with the ITM Cup this year hopefully with Tasman and looking forward to you (laughs) running around back in New Zealand that would be awesome to see at the ripe old age of 36 and still going strong but what a career, what a journey and what a lad, really appreciate you giving up your time and coming on the Waterlad podcast
1: Cheers Jimmy, it's been awesome, hopefully I haven't rambled on too much for you mate and you can get something good out of it
0: Oh mate, so much quality in that appreciate it (laughs)
1: no worries good to see you